that came in louder than I meant it to. a jamming song. Eat the rich! Eat the rich! Eat the rich! What's up, Dan? Hey, how's it going? I got some shit I want to say. Whoa. This isn't the time or the place. That was Eat the Rich by Crocus. Go listen to the rest of that song. Hopefully we don't get a copyright strike for a song that came out uh, in 1983, before 1990. So you could have that Crocus album, Headhunter, Uh on your list if you want. Okay. How are you, Dan? I'll mark it down that I could could have that. Not bad. You know? Not 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 too bad. Not too bad. Um, hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. It's been a week since we've done this, so I'm out of practice. It's true. Uh, thanks for listening. You are listening to this might sound stupid podcast, a uh, podcast that two friends do live once a week just to hang out and talk about shit. Uh, if this is your first time listening to us, or if you've listened to us before and you haven't subscribed, you should subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Dan's got to take a shirt. Oh, you're moving your chair. Uh, (laughs) You can also... My chat keeps disconnecting. Can you guys still see me? Yeah. I might not be able to read chat. I can. All right, you're going to have to read chat. What the fuck, man? Anyway... Uh, if you have a podcast app, you should know how to subscribe to podcasts. Subscribe to us. You can follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash this might sound stupid. Eventually, if enough people follow us, then you could subscribe to us. And that would be really neat. Um, you can email us. This might sound stupid at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at TMSS underscore podcast. We're brought to you first and foremost by Joey, the good boy. He's very... What's up, Happy Blapper? He's very cute. And I love him very much. He's got his big old bat ears going. Joey's getting old. He's so cute. Uh, Joey was our first sponsor. He's our uh-huh. oldest and best sponsor. We're also brought to you by Mike Long, who designed mm-hmm. all of our graphics uh, mm-hmm. and told me that tonight he might try to work on mugs while the podcast was happening. We'll see if that happens. He's got a lot going on. He's probably tired. Uh, but I love him dearly. Dan. Thanks, Kibby. That's all the stuff out of the way. 
Kibby, you do. Kibby tweeted us that we should do a list of top five pies, but I don't know. I don't feel like there's enough pies for that to be hotly contested. I do yeah. like I do like pie. Mm-hmm. Daniel, what are you mm-hmm. drinking? Uh, this is called Left Hand Peanut Butter Milk Stout. Peanut Butter Milk Stout. Okay. French mm-hmm. Silk would definitely be on my list, Kibby. Nope. I didn't hear it. I can't hear anything you're doing. I don't know. Oh, there we go. How is it? It's not bad. It's got a good uh, peanut butter taste to it. I gotta get. I gotta get my cooler. Sure. It tastes like peanut. How sweet is it? It's not because it's a. Uh, it's like an eight percent stout, so it's not like a an imperial or anything like that. It's just a. a I'd be. Stout. I'd be interested in drinking a beer that tastes like peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Well, I gotta, should be. Gotta get my cooler. Igloo by Playmate. It's the Everyman cooler. Oh God. You're drinking a four pack tonight. All right. <laughs> Gonna crack into all of them. Ugh. Okay. Welcome to the chat room. It just keeps loading and loading. Uh, this I've sh- shaved, not shaved. I've saved since last week. I haven't tried these yet because I was going to do it last week and we had to cancel at the last minute. Mm-hmm. This is a Pilsner. From mm-hmm. Indeed, who at one time was my favorite brewery in the state, and they're still up there in probably yeah. in probably my top five. Uh, this can I meant to post the can in movie night, and I probably still will. I love this can. That's a really good can. This is a really like the design on this can is super. This is the thing that first caught my eye. I just love this design. Haven't had it yet, so I'm gonna try it. No crack. Huh. Oh, it's really light. Oh, God, I did a terrible job pouring. I fucked up my pour. Take my first sip out of the can. It's very light. Did you see how light it was? Yeah. It's a poster. It's fine. It's, it's it's drinkable. It's not it's not swill, but it's not uh, it's not, not a favorite of that style. It's not my favorite of that style by a long shot. No, not not a rage quit. Nice top knot. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, my son. I was growing my hair out with my son, and he decided he wanted to cut it, and so he cut it into a top knot. And then my friend Matt, uh, I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna buzz my head for the weekend, and I'm gonna have just a like a raging huge mullet. That's what I wanted to do." My friend Matt was like, "You should just cut your hair like Nemo's. I bet Nemo would love that." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I bet he would." So I buzzed my head like this, uh, and then I really liked it, so I kept it. JR says, I have a rule. I never lose a grappling match against a guy with a top knot or a neck tattoo. I bet you've lost, a, gra- I bet you've lost a grappling match against a guy with a neck tattoo. Maybe not it's a top a great, knot. It's a good rule to have, though. 
Um, another reason I kept it is because my wife said I looked like Uhtred from The Last Kingdom. I don't. I appreciated the compliment, and I'm, I like that she's into it. So, um, Speaking of JRs. Oh, yeah, Dan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brobes. Brobes. Oh, yeah. Amber just says, yeah. <laughs> Sploosh. He's so easy to please. <laughs> um, let's talk. Su- I almost said sumo because I read <laughs> Kimmy saying sumo. Let's talk. <clears throat> GameStop. Power to the players. Power of the players. Uh, Dan seems tired. I wonder why, Schwat says. I think Dan had to work. <laughs> did you have to work 3,000 a day? It's also very rude. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Yeah, 3,000 usually wipes me out. I hate. I have a bunch of shifts next month where I work 3,000 on February. or I, I work 3,000 on Thursday. And it mm. always sucks when I get 3,000 on a Thursday because then I'm just like wiped out for the podcast. So GameStop, uh, I would say three months ago, a friend of ours, right? Three months ago? About that. Could be five. I f- yeah, I forget exactly when it was. I forget when, but yes. Three, four, maybe five at the most months ago, a friend of ours was telling us about GameStop, and he explain to me what a what a short sale on a stock was and i him explaining it to me and what was going on with gamestop made sense to me but as you well know i don't make any financial decisions in my house and i like it that way because i'm not good with money i w- like any money i get i want to spend i'm sure now at 35 with two kids if i had to buckle down I would do it, but my wife does the budget and she's great at it. So I don't ma- I don't make decisions with money. I get my little bit of fun money every month and it's perfect. But because we haven't been paying for child care uh, because of COVID, we have like we pay more in child care than we do in our mortgage. So we we had all this extra money that we've just been putting away in the bank. So I explained it to my wife. And I had to, I had to, I had to look up when I was explaining it to Amber. I had to look up online, and read what a short sale was again, and explain it to her the way our friend did to me. And I was like, I just, I want to see what happens. Do you think we can spend five hundred dollars? And if we lose it, we lose it, and that'll suck. But can we throw five hundred dollars in there? She was like, Yeah, let's see what happens. So in my my wildest dreams, I would have turned five hundred dollars into three thousand dollars. And built my home gym because I was sick of getting kicked out of other gyms for COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah. COVID. Or I don't know what you're doing those other gyms. <laughs> or if I use the high school gym, like sometimes I'll go up there on a Sunday and there's like a whole football team working out. And I'm like, well, fuck, I can't. I'm not going to be like, hey, can I squeeze in with you guys? <laughs> like the gym's not there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, I'm just. 
if I make three thousand bucks, I get to build my home gym and like I get to buy whatever I want for it. I don't have to. I don't have to pinch and save here and there. I can just kind of buy what I want. And so Monday of this week, it hit a point where I made three thousand dollars and I sold and I got out of it and I was very happy that I did because it I, it was very stressful mm-hmm. <laughs> being in there. Well, now today rolls around. And if I had held on to it, we would have made we would have turned five hundred dollars just shy of fifteen thousand dollars. That's insane to me. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't bother me. What, no, because it, it doesn't seem real. What like that that number doesn't seem real. Well, it did bother me up until about yesterday afternoon. And bother me like it didn't it was just like, well, I don't know. I made I made my Let's let's just say I made my responsible choice. Was mm-hmm. I said this was the amount I was into, and I told because there were times where people were telling me to sell at forty and sell at fifty, and I just kept saying like, no, I'm just riding this thing out. I'll either it'll either go back and I'll lose a couple hundred bucks and maybe I sell it at two hundred, or it's going to get to the point that I make three thousand, and that's where I cash out. It mm-hmm. got to that point, I cashed out, and now I've already started to order parts for my home gym, like. It's exactly what I wanted. I'm very excited about my home gym. I'm getting a squat rack from Rogue, this beautiful squat rack from Rogue with like, it's just awesome. Uh, And it was like, well, that's a bummer. We could have paid off one of our cars with $14,000 or $15,000 and I still could have built the home gym and like paid off a car. That's Mm -hmm. a bump. Like it was like, that's a bummer. Oh, well, at least I, and then it would just be like, I'm going to go look at gym equipment again. And that was fun. And then yesterday I watched this interview with a guy named Chapmath Palihapitiya. Palihapitiya. I'm sorry if I'm brutalizing his name. Um, and he started to bring up stuff that was really interesting to me socially surrounding Robin Hood. And so, or not Robin Hood, GameStop. So he started to talk about people on Wall Street bets and how they're not, like, they're not being taken seriously. They're not being portrayed seriously. And this this guy, I I should look up and tell you how to spell his name, actually, uh, is a, I want to say he's a billionaire. Uh, And forgive me if I'm getting any of this wrong because I've just learned his name. Um, Chapmath Palihapitiya, um, and it's spelled C-H-A-M-A-T-H-P-A-L-I-H-A-P-I-T-I-Y-A. I think everybody should go out and, and watch this interview that he had on CNBC yesterday. Um, but two days ago, sorry, I'm getting the timeline fucked in my head. Everybody should watch the interview he had today on CNBC uh, two days ago or yesterday. He he just made this point that like there there are like people on this on Wall Street bets who are angry at a system that is broken. And he was like, I've been I've been going through the the subreddit Wall Street bets for day like for for hours and hours and hours. And there there are people on there who were kids in the 2008 crash they watched their parents lose their jobs they watched their families lose their homes parents got divorced as a result like 
you know, these kids got their lives rocked. Well, now they're adults and they've kind of realized collectively, not obviously not everybody on Wall Street bets is this way, but people have realized collectively that like they now have a gun in this fight. And it was, it's been so interesting to watch it develop. And it's been very infuriating to watch pushback from Wall Street. What have you been paying attention to with it? Because we both, we both just took our buddy's advice and put a little bit of money into it and got a little bit of money out of it. Uh, all, the, all the same stuff. Um, like, there, there, was, there was no way that they weren't going to try and fight. Like, they, they knew um, that it was gaining momentum, so they were going to have to try and create some sort of strategy to limit their limit their loss and their risk i mean it's not even a strategy it seems like it's just it's just bullying and taking advantage of a system that you have power and control over 100 it's still a strategy like <laughs> yeah i suppose um like, they're using tools that they shouldn't have at their at their disposal i really think everybody should go out and watch that interview today from cnbc i mean he, just him pushing back and saying like just because it worked against you this time doesn't mean you get to change the rules. And that's the really interesting thing to me is that and people have been saying it for a long time that the wealthy have a different set of rules than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. um, and he talked about these things called like ideas meetings or something that they have in Wall Street where I don't understand all this, but it's it's like people will get together behind closed doors and 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 decide to short stocks and things like that but n now that it's individuals and they're doing it out in front of people publicly it's like people have a problem with that um and it was it's really weird to watch this interview on cnbc because this host is like he keeps pushing back but for seemingly no reason his reasoning at some point seems to switch to the fact that GameStop itself, the company, isn't worth $300 a share. And mm -hmm. so what these people are doing is stupid. And it just, like, when I'm listening to it, it really seems like this guy is verbalizing a message that he's been given. Does that make sense? Like, he's got a producer in his ear or something. Mm -hmm. Um because his whole his whole thing seems to not be about it's he frames it in this it, from this viewpoint of like well there are people who don't understand what's happening and they're going to get hurt and they're going to lose money uh because there isn't any actual value in GameStop the company and like whether or not that's true the 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 uh Chapmath is is saying that's not the point the point is that the the hedge funds were in over their heads where they shouldn't be on speculation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. You don't seem like you really want to talk about it, so we can move on. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting. I, it, it, it's fascinating to me to see...
I want to watch what's going to happen next. Like, I'm really curious, not what happens next week, but like what happens over the next several years? Like I was watching interviews with Elizabeth Warren. I thought she had some really good points that like they kept trying to get her to say that what happened on Wall Street bets was market manipulation. Mm-hmm. And she was very careful and I thought intelligent the way she was answering their questions and saying, well, that's the problem is that nobody know, nobody seems to know whether or not this is market manipulation because there aren't enough rules to regulate what Wall Street is doing or what individual investors are doing. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't create, it doesn't create a regulated marketplace, which is what you actually need it creates a casino where you you you're not actually investing in a company that you believe in and you believe has growth potential mm-hmm. you're gambling you're you're speculating and gambling and you've created rules that allow you to do that but now that other people have figured out how to manipulate those rules you're mad about it and this this chatmouth uh guy he's like i've been i've been watching those uh that subreddit and there are people who have paid off their mortgages there are people who have paid off all of their student loans it's creating real wealth that's doing real good for people in a time where the economy is terrible and millions of people are out of their jobs and so i just love that he got on there and lambasted these hosts on cnbc which i don't know anything about cnbc is it is it like part of the liberal media or conservative media? I genuinely don't know. I've never watched CNBC in my life. It's the market. What does that mean? It's just the market media. That's all it is. It's just it's just a, a money channel. Um, it doesn't. It's not conservative or liberal. I guess if anything, it's probably more conservative, just because it's about it's about getting rich. Okay. Yeah, I genuinely have no idea. I've never in my life before yesterday watched anything on CNBC, as far as I know. I mean, there might have been a clip at some point on YouTube that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kibby, I'm I'm realizing now I should have wrote down my thoughts. I have too many, like, bump through my head. But Kibby says, to me, the controversy seems to be around the stocks. Uh, trading apps can stop you from buying and or selling, which does manipulate the market. Um. Yeah, and I don't know, but I I got to imagine that those companies, Robinhood in particular, are being leaned on. Like they sent out an email to everybody because I I use Robinhood, and they sent out an email that was like, it almost made it sound like they had some kind of FDIC responsibility to not let people trade and i didn't it was but then they sent out an email earlier or a statement earlier that was like we're doing this to help you protect yourself Mm -hmm. i don't i don't do you know like do you understand anything about why they said they stopped people from trading no no i mean they did they didn't stop people from trading they stopped people from being able to buy the stock Mm -hmm. no it was a you know it was it was a a dope thing where they they tried to make it seem like they were making it so that nobody could buy it and but people could like institutions could purchase but people that needed to go through Robin Hood bridge not just Robin Hood wait like, I don't understand then like a whole bunch of brokerages you couldn't buy those stocks on who gave them that rule the SEC or they just made that rule up themselves it's not a rule no they no, just no. Chose to do it yeah they just chose to do it that's what I meant yeah. 
but people were buying it like huge you know people like huge institutions were buying you know millions of shares how could they do it because they could just call up the the trade the trading floor and get the trade done like they 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 didn't have to go through a middleman like we would have had to so they just called the trade yeah i don't know how calling the trading floor works i just know that there's a bunch of people that yell i know what movies have taught me but yeah that's the thing it's like like the rumor is because like if if citadel has a stake or a decent stake in something in the financial well-being of robin hood they they may have forced robin hood to to do what it did or you know that's the implication what it, what wall exactly. of beef what wall of beef that, just that, that's, that's what the that's what the class action lawsuit will prove like it's it's either going to be they'll they'll get sued and they'll lose a lot of money or you know nothing will come of it but there's the fact that on this day they decided that they could tell you even though you had cash in your account that you were not allowed to buy that stock you could sell it but you can't buy it that seems like 100% just people pulling strings to get a price to drop so they don't so they don't like eat shit so they don't lose millions of dollars billions of dollars billions of dollars didn't did one of them already have to get bailed out is that true citadel put a lot of money into melvin this week they gave him two and a half billion dollars into melvin melvin's the the one that's shorted the most way way too much of the stock okay and so Uh, go ahead go ahead um so you know they're they're the ones that are going to eat the most of it um so they helped keep them afloat because people that work at I think it's people that work at Citadel were friend like used to work with the guys at Melvin like there was like well, like I forget which one but one one way or the other the relationship was like mentor mentee sort of thing so there's a you know it's it's buddies helping buddies out um, when you're just free rolling with billions of dollars like that you can you can just you can just toss a couple at your friend to, to keep his hedge fund afloat. Hmm. So JR says, I think what will come out later on is that institutions and head funds were behind the squeeze and use Wall Street bet as the fall guy. Yes. So that would imply, correct me if I'm wrong, that Wall Street bets came up with this idea a year ago or a little over a year ago and started to push for the squeeze. Uh, institutions and hedge funds caught on to what they were doing and said, hey, we can make them our patsy. And make millions or billions of dollars at the same time, and then push that agenda from there. That's what Jr. is saying, right? Yeah, because like, like when, because all of a sudden, like, what happened with like AMC today too, where all of a sudden, like, even though you couldn't buy on any like major brokerages, there was a all of a sudden this like crazy spike of like institutions or someone buying hundreds of thousands, ungodly amounts of shares. Okay, so so it's like their head, they were just like they were buying themselves out of it, like they were. They were buying the shares to sell at a later, you know. So they're ba- they're basically trying to stock their coffers with so, shares so they, they can kick up to a huge price and sell, and then and then to cover their their short loss that they're going to have to eat. Wait, I didn't follow. Then what short loss? So well, like the companies that are shorting bought a whole bunch when it was cheap, so that they could sell it at a higher price to pay for the shorts. The remainder of the shorts. All their shorts. I'm not following you. 
It's okay. Well, no, I want to understand. They uh, so they killed the price, bought it super low, and they'll drive it back up again. Of AMC. Okay. Oh yeah. So we'll say AMC today, but same with GME. And then they'll ha- they'll all of a sudden have a whole bunch of stock they bought way down here that's now up here in price. So are so you they, saying they can negate they can negate their short loss? Are you saying borrowed or bought? They bought down there. Okay. But that's not a short then. What am I? What am? What? They're, 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 the shorts are there. They, they they're not buying more shorts. They're they're still shorted, but they're negating the loss of the shorts by owning a whole bunch of the stock at a, at a super reduced price, and that which then they can sell back at a super high price. So they're they're basically just trying to make money on by, both sides of it. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Uh. Yeah. Okay. What what Wallview said? They shook us down. <laughs> huh? They shook us down. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the term retail shakedown. We're we're retail. We're, okay. we're, they call it, they call us retail traders. Why? That's interesting. Because we're not because we're not institutional traders. We're just like dudes on Robinhood. You know, these little retail apps just buying and selling pittances. This is interesting to me because this is this is like backwards to the story I've been getting, which is that Wall Street bets did force these institutions to lose millions of dollars. They haven't lost it yet. Like the the loss is coming. So until the squeeze happens, because the squeeze hasn't hasn't technically happened yet, it seems like, like the squeeze will be a an astronomical price jump. Well, I thought when I bought it sixteen, and now the price is four hundred or something. I thought that was an astronomical price jump. I guess no. So like so when VW got squeezed. Um, so now, J- but Jr. says it's happening now. But it, it'll like there's a, there's a point where it's going to jump a lot. Um. So like with VW, it was it was kind of going up and down. Hit, hit like four hundred. Then all of a sudden, like the they got called and they had to like pay their pay their shorts. And then like in a matter of minutes, it jumped to well over a thousand dollars for like a few minutes because all of a sudden there were all of these shares being purchased by the by by the by head fund to cover their shorts. So that must be the part that I'm misunderstanding. Is they can at, at some point somebody can call them and say you have to. You have to pay on your shorts now. They, it's, it's called getting. Yeah, I think I think it's margin call. Basically, they're saying you don't have enough money to cover what we think you owe on these shares. You need to just pay us now and buy them off us. Interesting. I didn't know they could do that. So yeah, but Wall Street bets is is wise to the game of if they keep the price inflated, inflated, inflated. They're waiting for the day that the the banks basically call the hedge fund and say, "You you know you can't cover this. Give us you you got you got to buy your shares." I got it. So Jr. The squeeze is happening, but it may not be done, but it's happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, yes. The yeah. idea then is to keep the money in the Hi. so to hold those stocks. That's why that's why they're long stocks, I guess. Yeah, but that's, that's why they're always for lack of a better term. Yeah. So they hold on to them. Yeah, because then because if there's free shares in the market, they can they can buy. But if you keep holding, they have to buy from you. Because there aren't enough shares for them to cover their short losses. So Oh, I get that part. Okay. So they've yeah, shorted so, the so stocks. If there, if there's not like because the amount of the amount of shares they owe and the amount of shares that are available isn't anywhere close to the same number. Yeah. Like they're they're, they're so far over, like the, the amount of free stock isn't won't isn't nearly enough to cover what they owe. 
Interesting. It's it's such utter nonsense, like numbers wise, that it's like it, it. They they deserve to go down. Like it's one thing to short a stock or or short part of a, a company, whatever you think it's going to fail. Yeah. But but when you when you're like shorting like 120 percent, like that's mathematically impossible. It's you just yeah. It's just well that's that's the problem. That's the problem. They got they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. There are people like wait a second. This, these numbers aren't right. We can break you. That's what everybody has been pointing out is that. Yeah, they're overextended. Basically, yeah. Well, now, I mean, there's there's less I have to say about it now because, I don't know, I guess there was a part of it I wasn't understanding, but even then, it's still, I guess, it's still fucked up that they were start stopping people from buying it because that's what they're trying to do is buy more shares to hold that price for longer to force the market call or whatever you said, where they call them and say, like, you need to pay for these now. Yeah, and, like, if I, they had a term for when I was looking on Wall Street Bets earlier today. Is there like, a bigger percentage that they have to pay on the borrowed shares? Oh, yeah, there's the interest is going up and up and up because... How does that like, work? Good Lord. That's the thing. Like, they, they're, they're paying constantly, like, in, like interest on these shares that they have to buy at some point. Um, but there's a, cause there's a term or something, that, like, at, I don't know, like, eight... Or, not, or like nine, maybe probably like nine thirty in the morning. Like the stock went from three fifty, maybe to like a hundred and twenty. It dropped. So they they basically like they they did something. Like they either someone sold like three hundred million dollars worth of like shares to, to basically just like tank the price. It like it's like it just like shot shoot and it just shot all the way down. In, a, in an effort to basically force out a bunch of retail investors to, so they, they're basically just trying to force people out. Of each they were trying to make shop. people panic. Yep, and, and sell off. Yeah, totally would have got me with it. Jared says we calculated that in the summer, the entire population of shorted shares was paying over a million dollars a day to pay the fees. Yeah, that's when it was twelve dollars. Holy so the, shit! Wait so a minute. The so the vig astronomical right now. Yeah, the vig on it was a million dollars a day. I didn't understand that this was part of it at all. Yeah. Like so that means, so much. yeah, when it's at $300 a share, I'm, assu- I'm assuming the VIG is a percentage, right? Holy shit. I didn't know it, that. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's some weird. No, one, no wonder they're like, pissed. <laughs> of like how far off you are. So how far above the short and the amount of time left on your short call is the is what your your kind of your interest gets based off of. And so yeah, it's a lot. Uh, I have a very very basic understanding of shorting a stock. My understanding of shorting a stock was that you borrow a stock at twenty mm-hmm. and sell it to a bunch of people, and then when the stock gets down to like four, you buy it back and you make. $16 per share in profit. That was my understanding of it. I didn't know I didn't know they could just call and say you have to buy them back now. Yeah, yeah. You you that's 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 what like a bunch that's you know when Robinhood was selling to people stocks today cuz like we like we were buying on cash accounts so they they couldn't do that to us cuz we were putting money in the account and we were buying stocks with money. Yeah. Um some people were buying on margin so it wasn't their money. They were basically borrowing sure like as a loan almost. And so Robin was like, we don't think you can afford this anymore. So they were just taking their stocks away and selling it on the open market. Hmm, okay. 
Um, yeah, it's it's funny. Like, there's just a, a quick quick side tangent. I don't. Th- I think I'm the only person that's seen it. Like, maybe JR's seen this, but The Big Short. It's a great movie. It's about the housing crisis, but it's exactly this, but yeah. reversed. So they they know that it's going to fail. Like they're like these numbers don't make sense. These mortgages don't make sense. This is going to collapse. So they shorted the housing market basically. And they which no one did at that point. Like the guy that first did it, like no one no one had designed this security yet. Like no one had ever shorted the housing market. So like he went there and they gave him astronomical like rates and stuff like that. Like sure, yeah, we'll let you we'll let you short these these stocks. You know, they, they, there's no way like the housing market has never fallen before. This is this is easy money for us. And then it gets to the point where the housing market's crashing, but the prices aren't going down. Like they're like this is this is rigged. It's like like they're going to the SEC. They're like why 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 are like the housing market's crashing right now? Why aren't our shorts appreciating value we don't, like why aren't, what's going on and it basically just took like everything falling out for them to finally get their money and they profited hugely off it but it's it's a it's a, you know it's, a, it's the kind of rigged game like they were huge like almost hedge funds themselves betting against the stock betting against the housing market and even they got like taken for a ride for like a few months because the ba- like the huge huge banks just didn't want to pay them out because they had because they got them for billions. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Jared says if you want to read a breakdown of the whole situation, we wrote a post on Reddit called "The Real Greatest Short Burn of the Century" and posted on Wall Street Bets about four months ago. It played all, almost exactly. I don't know if Wall Street Bets is still made is still private right now. It, it, it was it, at some it, point. It, today. It, was, it was public today the whole time. They came back. Oh, did they? Okay. Unless I'm just a member of Wall Street Bets somehow. It, just, yeah. At some point today, I thought it was private. Um, oh, I, I may have like applied to be like a member of it. Oh, Jared said you can just Google the title of the article and read it. Yeah, it was just really. I mean, it wasn't alarming to me. It was just like, and I'm actually referenced in part three. <laughs> awesome. Uh The thing that it brings me back to is just this thing that I've been this drum that I've been banging for what I feel like it's forever. And I always get scared about maybe I have no reason to, but it makes me think of the French revolution and the whole let them eat cake and all that mm-hmm. where the wealthy seem to get so disconnected and so sociopathic towards the rest of the world that they just don't, they don't see what's coming. And that's like from what I was seeing on wall street bets today and on Twitter are just people saying basically like, you don't get it. I am poor. I don't have anything to lose. I've been like, I can be poor. I've been poor. I can be poor again. You have something to lose. And they're just (laughs) saying like, I'll never, I'll never sell this as long as it hurts you. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't understand. They had to pay a like they had to pay an interest rate or a vig or whatever. I so they they're already hurting them. It hurts them every day, yeah. And that's what I'm saying is that my like when I was talking to Amber about this uh, because Amber was mind blown. She was like, they were talking about GameStop on NPR today, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, we could add fifteen thousand dollars. Wouldn't that have been neat? 
Um, there's no way I would have made it this long. No, I barely made it through Monday morning. Um, I'll, I'll say when I like when I bought in for like ten again Tuesday. Yes, we sold whatever. So Tuesday, we sold Monday. Uh, man, I felt so free after selling. Yep, because like I, I was helping people and talking to people, and like I was in a weird. No, pain. you couldn't concentrate. Yeah, because it was. I'm just like I. I have to leave this because this is, I like, don't. I, I don't care if like it somehow spikes super high. Like I need to be out. Obviously, I don't know what's going on, and so I didn't know like would it is it going to hit a hundred and then it's just going to crash back to below what I bought in at. Like I was just I don't know. Who knows? That's why I was like I'm going to set a goal, and if it gets there, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I may have even said this on the podcast before, but I've been saying it forever that. It seems like the thing that the wealthy don't like, I don't care if you're wealthy. I don't care if you're wealthy through some nefarious means and manipulating stocks and things like that. And you have yachts and private jets. I don't like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not, whatever my programming is, I'm not made to want that. (laughs) I literally, I want the life that I have. If people are chatting, I can't see it because my chat thing is fucked up. Okay. It just says connecting right now. I want the life that I have, which is really cool for me, which is great. Like, but I really think that like when Amber and I lived in in West St. Paul is like the minimum. And what we have now is, is maybe a little bit less than the ideal or it's just the ideal. I don't know. But people by and large don't want a lot. Like I want food for my kids, decent food for my kids, like a house that's not falling apart. And if something breaks in my house, I don't want to like terribly, terribly stress. Like if my furnace went out and we had to get a new furnace for five or 10 grand or whatever, I don't want to be freaked out about that constantly. Like every time my furnace makes a noise I've never heard about, or heard before i don't want to freak out like i just want to be like well if it goes we'll just have to get somebody out here right away and get it replaced which has been the case since we haven't been paying astronomical amounts of money for childcare. like if something breaks it's like eh, we like we mm-hmm. can fix it uh i want to be able to go on vacation a few times a year <laughs> and then like on saturday i want to be able to have like have a couple beers with my friends and watch a fight or you know watch a hockey game or something and like i'm just I'm a basic bitch. I don't, I don't want very much. This is what I want, Mm -hmm. but you can't like, you cannot be, you can't be the Grinch from the Grinch movie and literally take the last tiny little crumb out of a house. If you want to be ultra wealthy and have three yachts and whatever, blah, blah, blah. You have to make sure that you do it in a way that people can have, happy sustainable lives and it doesn't take much for people to have that and it just seems like time and time again in history there gets a point where the ultra wealthy get so disconnected whether it's through generational wealth or whatever that they just don't see the fact that they're massively 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 outnumbered and like the only way they get to have that life is because people are willing to just work and provide things that then they buy with money. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I'm just so, I'm just so curious 
to see what happens next. I'm curious to see if like there have been a lot of politicians who are just saying like, well, this needs to be looked into further, but I don't know. We all have a very short attention span. Like, are we going to even be talking about this on the podcast next week? Probably not. Am I even going to remember it next week? I have no idea. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it just freaks me out to think that like, well, there's coming like this seemed like some of the posts I was seeing today in Twitter comments and things like that seem like a sign of people who genuinely do have nothing to lose. And like their statements online really seem to reflect that they have nothing to lose and people who have nothing to lose can just be dangerous to everybody not just the wealthy you know Mm -hmm. and it freaks me out yeah and jr says that well that and that's what i'm saying where they realize like well now they have they have a gun in this gunfight they can actually shoot back at wall street and they want to because they're upset and they're they deserve to be. I mean, especially the 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 picture that 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 guy was talking about at the beginning of the podcast painted, where some of the people on Wall Street bets are people who their families lost everything in 08. Mm-hmm. you know, and then there are people who then maybe got involved in Occupy Wall Street too, and then you know got a boot on their neck again, and have just felt helpless. Well, now they have a way to hurt you, and they don't even give a fuck if they make money. Mm-hmm. They want to hurt you. And like, if you just extrapolate that out to like what happened to Gaddafi when the people finally got a hold of Gaddafi, it's, it, it just, it doesn't end well for anybody. Freaks me out, man. Because there are, there are people who feel helpless and like they have nothing to lose. And eventually those people start doing whatever they can to lash out. So I hope that there is like actual change that happens to make it so that kind of Wall Street can't just run amok and do whatever it wants in with speculation and just toying with their massive amounts of money to make markets do things. Mm-hmm. That was my whole thing. I'm, I've just been fascinated by it all day. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what what comes of it. I can remember when we were first being told about this thing, like it didn't seem possible. Cause I'm like, like as, as it was being described, I'm like, well, they, they have billions of dollars and they know, like they know the rules of the game, like in and out. I don't think they just go down. Like, cause like, like in, in like, in like the perfect version of this thing, it's, Oh, you buy the stocks it gets up to a certain price, they get called, they have to buy, and then it goes up higher, and then it's just over. Uh, but that—that's if you're up against like a willing opponent who's just like, "Oh, okay, you got me." That's not like that's not how it works, right? <laughs> like, like it, they, the they, they don't, they don't is, just lay down. They don't just lay down and die. The game they're, is rigged. They're they're they're, they're going to fight tooth and nail to like not let you take that three and a half billion dollars that's why i'd be hesitant to like get into amc or anything because they it happened once and they're going to be like okay well it happened once but they're they're going to do everything they can with their billions of dollars to not let it happen again mm-hmm. um yeah go out go I'll i'll tweet it from our account later too but that that interview with 
Chipmoth Palihapitiya. It was just very interesting to me. Uh, and that that was when it, when greed never changes. When Jr. was describing it to me, I didn't. I wasn't aware of all this other social stuff. I just thought like, hey, they're gonna try to short squeeze these short sellers, and the price will jump. Like it made sense to me, and it made sense to get in for five hundred dollars. It wasn't. It literally wasn't until yesterday that I realized all this other social stuff was going on with it. I hadn't paid any attention to it. I was just like, well. My friend JR seems smart. He explained it well enough. My wife, I know, is smart. And when I explained it to her, she didn't seem to think it was a total scam. So cool. Let's I'll just put my money in there and just kind of let it ride. And then, yeah, once once it started to be everywhere and everybody was talking about it, it started to pop up in my YouTube feed. And I just watched that one guy and I was like, oh, shit, there's like a whole social revolution going on within this, which is... And it's like I'm saying... It's not... It's not bullshit. This is, I, I it, it's like if a million dollars fell into my lap, cool, but I don't, I wouldn't change my life that much. I might pay somebody to renovate my garage so that it could just be a gym, but other, you know, like I wouldn't, I just wouldn't change my life. So like when I thought it was just a short squeeze to make money, it was like, well, cool. I'll make my little bit of money and I'll be out. But the social aspect of it is, is fascinating to me. And the kind of social unrest that I've been seeing in it is scary to me. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I don't, I don't know the unrest part. JR like, says, one of my trading partners made $52 million. That's generational wealth that was generated from this. I mean, I think about my brother, who my brother was told his whole life, you need to go to college, you need to go to college, you need to go to college, you need to go to college. He took out student loans uh, to go to college. Mm -hmm. He is six figures in debt for degrees that nobody will hire and pay you. You know, they'll never pay you six figures for the degrees he got. But he was told over and over again and given money to go to college, which is just what he was told to do. And now he's 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 in debt for the, he'll never not be in debt. He'll be in debt for the rest of his life. And they garner his paychecks to pay this debt that he'll just he'll never ever have a job that gets to pay it off. Mm-hmm. And I think about him like if he had gotten in there he could have paid off his student debt and 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 like my it's killing my brother. It's literally killing him. He could have paid off his student debt. Or it just makes me think about like the billions and billions and billions of dollars that are in Wall Street already that could pay off his debt and millions of other Americans. And it just, I don't know, it fucking irks me. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know, I, I agree. I, I, there, there, I haven't really seen like social unrest, like, though, like, to me, that makes it seem like people are like in the streets, like fighting. Jar says there will be tremendous fallout from this. I'd be curious to know what you mean. I mean the unrest that I was... The, 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 it's not unrest. It's that people really do feel like they have nothing to lose. I, I, yeah, there are definitely I mean, there are like, just people are, who are in there who s- seem to say, like, well, 
this is all I have left is to take a shot at you. And so I'm going to take it. And I don't, I'm not saying it's the right idea. I'm saying this is what my mind does, which I've brought up again and again on this podcast is it's like, it takes it to the nth degree of like, well, if they have nothing to lose here, do they have nothing to lose physically in the real world? Like, you know, what is that? I, I, I would argue that some of the people who stormed the Capitol are people who felt like they had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're the, that's why we're, they were willing to be so insane. And I, I, my feeling is that you have to give people something to lose. If you want to be ultra wealthy, if you want to have that ability to make millions of dollars and have yachts and several houses and Hampton houses or whatever, you have to also give people who you depend on running the rest of the country so that you can have those things you have to you have to give them something that they're invested in that they don't want to lose and when it it's it's arguably impossible to give everybody something that they're afraid to lose but when you give them the massive majority of people the ability to gain something that makes them happy and that they don't want to lose that's the balance you're looking for. But it just seems like since I've been a teenager, that ability has slowly been eroded away. And from my perspective, it seems to be because of the ultra wealthy, not realizing that they need to help create a sustainable life for everybody in order to remain ultra wealthy in a, in a, in a system of government that doesn't fail. That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's how I feel. Yeah. I'm not saying that's I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but that's what I'm afraid of happening is that it just seems like there's a lot of people in our country who don't feel like they get to be a part of the game or a part of the system, and so because they don't, they would just rather tear it all down. And that doesn't end well for anybody. Yeah, 100%. Oh, um go there'll, ahead. there'll be like there'll be, you know, congressional hearings there'll be like rules enacted like think things will come from this um that will benefit regular traders you would hope you would like i from like the like the way that people in congress are reacting to it it's it seems as though um especially with like it being a democratic house and a democratic senate i hope so i hope um, people like aoc and bernie and sorry go ahead i'm talking over you um that they'll try to fix some of the loopholes that they can exploit. So JR says, uh, it'll be good in that retail traders will be empowered to continue to have a seat at the table and make real money playing the game. Also, don't be surprised if Congress enacts certain legislation that restricts some of the loopholes that hedge funds (laughs) exploit. I hope so. Bad in the respect that this trade is in the public zeitgeist. And they will be chasing other GME style trades and most likely lose a lot of money doing so. This was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Real short squeezes are an extremely rare event. There will be others, but they won't be as dramatic and violent as GME. Or if there are others, they won't be for probably a decade or more, I would guess, where people have mostly forgotten about it. Well, like if, if Congress is smart, they just won't let. Right, there shorting on this level take place. Mostly, what I'm saying is there needs to be some real changes in this country that 
change some of the dynamics of wealth. And I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about taking wealth from people who make $500,000 a year. <laughs> I'm not, that, that's not what I mean. I mean like where you do have 1% of the country or 1% of the, the population owning, what is it? It's something insane, like 90% of the wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I don't like, know the actual number. It's just, it's not, it's, first off, it's not communism. And it's also, it's not tenable. It just can't, the way things are now, it can't, it can't continue. Anyway, mm-hmm. we, we can get off this topic. Uh, the last thing I'll say on it, unless you want to say something else too, is um, it has gotten me interested more in stock market and not day trading, but, you know, investing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reading a book that J.R. uh referred me to and i'm really liking that it's very it's just it's just compelling to read about anyways because it's more not more but a part of it is about kind of managing yourself and managing your thoughts which is always a fascinating concept or uh road to go down for me and how do you manage your own emotions and keep Mm -hmm. yourself in check and think about the way that you're thinking uh so i'm reading that and I, i and I'm I'm interested to learn more about the idea of investing in companies and not what I've always thought of as the stock market, which is basically just day trading. That's like the that's the only thing that I have is is day trading. You buy low, you sell high. Like I don't know anything about it. So reading this book is and and is making me more interested in it. I think it might be. I'm going to give it a while, but I think it might be something I pursue more. Yeah. Like, like they, you know, they've been saying for our whole lives to just, you know, just, just, just invest your money and you know, you'll, you'll, you'll make, you'll make a little bit with it and you'll be able to retire nicely. And, but then we started investing smartly and took advantage of something that, you know, a hedge fund did. And not like, whoa, no, no, you can't invest that way. No, 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 no. Right, that because was because you're, you're. That's no, no, no. You, you invest in a just. No, just invest, you invest the way invest we want you to. Just you know, you do that. Take your little dividends. Take your little this. You don't get to. You don't get to do this. This I, is for us. You, yeah, you don't get to do what we do. Uh, what there were some great tweets that I saw. Uh, this one was great. It turns out that wealth does trickle down. You just have to make them bleed first. That's a great statement. Uh, 2008 financial collapse, you should have considered the risks. Student loan debt, you should have considered the risks. Credit card debt, you should have considered the risks. Hedge funds make a risky bet and might go under. It's not their fault. Shut everything down. Um... Where were there was one? Hold on, sorry. Uh, this one was good. Biden will bail out hedge funds before he sends two thousand dollars. Bet. <laughs> um. Maybe I didn't retweet it. Oh, yeah, here it is. Rich people, why don't the poor just invest their money? Mm-hmm. Poor people, okay. 
rich people dot 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 rich people no wait stop like that's exactly what you're saying like no no yeah. no 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 hold on hold on hold on. fuck them yeah like i just yeah, like I, go ahead uh like i i know someone that works uh does a, a job at td ameritrade not in like this sort of investing but they got you know they got an email from the higher ups that they had they had to re- they had to reply to and said they read it it just said like if if you get calls about like don't engage with people when they call you and ask you about gme or or like the other stock they're like just like we don't want to be held liable for what the fuck could happen here just if people call and they want advice on this stuff just say you're not gonna you, you just say you're not commenting so like like they were just basically said like look because like they're you know they're they're a huge fucking bank huge they don't want like if if shit did go sideways today I get, I get it for like a huge, like a huge bank. Like, but it's like, fuck it. I don't want to get, like, yeah, you don't want to give, you don't want to get sued somehow by these people. Like, sure. who think, yeah, like, like it's, but turning it off, like that, that, that was, that was a little bit too far. Like, you know, I can say, you know, like not advertising or not commenting on it. People call you and ask you about it. Sure, why not? But like, making it so people can't play the game with like their money that they have. It's that's fucked up. That's, that's gross. Not fair. That's not fair. This beer is delicious, by the way. Shell's Fort Road Porter. Oh. Uh, yeah. My 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 ultimate thesis statement is just make make an economy where more people can have what I have, which is not a lot. I mean, in some people's eyes, it is a lot. Which it shouldn't be. It should be, mm-hmm. it should be the status quo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I have a very modest house, modest vehicles. I never drink wine. <laughs> Just make an economy that works in that way, and you can still have ultra wealthy people. They just might have a few billion dollars less. But they, 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 they fucking. I don't know. They got. They have small dicks, and they have to compensate in some way. I have no idea what the answer is. No, it's, it's like that old dude that was on CNBC. That fuck uh, that guy. Like, like, make making fun of us poor people for using our government checks to like buy his stock. We we were attacking him and his in his rich friends. It's just name. attacking wealthy people. What we need to do is band together. What fuck you. That, that's that's the classic statement where it's like whenever you've done something wrong and people call you out and be like, look, stop, stop. We need to work together now. Don't for, forget the forget the stuff that I did. We now is the time we come together. <laughs> Fucking hate it. All right, it's nine o'clock. We talked about that bullshit for an hour. Let's move on. Dan, are you going first on your list or am I? Oh, this um, was so fun but maddening at the same time. I got uh, I got my mom and my stepdad involved in it too, and they were both like texting me all day, uh, just just mad. Yes, thank oh, you. Rolo shows up. Thank you for sticking around. We're done, uh, Wade. <laughs> Unless we get through these lists quick, and then I'll be happy to talk more about this. I have no idea if people are zoning all that out or what. I purposely didn't put because I knew how much thought and how much it hurts some of you to make this list. Um, 
I'm gonna say I put zero thought into my list. The hurt was. I, fun. I, I don't care that much about music, so it was pretty great. That, All right, uh, let's go through your list first, then. Oh no! Well, I thought you didn't care. Well, I don't, but please don't make fun of me. Just got here five dollars. Five dollar foot long. Five dollar foot long. Is your daughter typing that? It could be. Not Costanza. Who that is? I don't remember. Is that I feel, Ryan? I feel, like seen, I feel like we've seen that name before. Um. Okay. Not Costanza. Who you is? All right, Dan, go. So, top five, no particular order. Yep. I put mine in order of year of release. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, Excite. Led Zeppelin 4. Okay. Uh, Bob Seger, Live Bullet. Nice. Um, I listen, like, I'm going with things that I listen to. That's a live album, so Rolo can loudly disagree. Correct. He's already laughing. I'm not a um, good team member. I feel like I know who Knox stands is, but I can't. That's Ben. It's got to be Ben. Ben? Reichel. No, I know who you mean. Has Ben ever been in our, in, in our chat before? I don't remember. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so hold on. Javin says, describe what you're talking about. Also, you never named the book you were reading. It's called The Intelligent Investor. Perfect. Um, here's what we're doing. Two weeks ago on the podcast, we somehow Dan came up with the idea that we should make lists <laughs> of our top five albums that were before released that were released before 1990. If it was released on 1990, that does count. It we were like, man, that seems really hard. Let's do that. And then throughout the last two weeks, we've been driven mad by it because it's it's not easy to do, and you absolutely just have to leave albums off. Like mm-hmm. I could have made a list that was just five Beatles albums. All right, keep going. So, sorry, you had Led Zeppelin four. Bob Seger, Live Bob Bullet. Seger, yep. Um, because like, but what I noticed as I was going through is because I never like owned a lot of music or a lot of CDs, um, or like a lot of albums growing up. So, I know a lot of songs that I remember listening to and liking, but I don't remember like a lot of the CDs, like listening to like an actual disc. Um, so I, I, was, I was just trying to like, remember some of the ones that I remember seeing, like either in my parents' car or that I actually did own when I was uh, a young lad with a car. <laughs> um, Paul Simon, Graceland. Never listened to that album in my life. Okay. Uh, Beatles, Abbey Road. Okay. Is one of um, and Fleetwood Mac, Rumors. Nice. <laughs> the whole reason this list, I, I, that's, why, that's why I said make a list, because I was like, Fleetwood Rack Rumors, like top five album of all time? And then you like disagree with me. I'm like, well. So uh, things that I considered were Led Zeppelin 4, Abbey Road, and Rumors. The other perfect. two, Silver Bullet, I love that album, but it does not reach my top five. The other one I've literally never listened to. Like, like that. Like, I think it was just like in my car for like two years. Like me and especially like uh, um, Vitamin Anderson went hard on like Seeger for like a like some some of the Hollywood video years for sure. Aside from Seeger, great list. Javin says I love that album. Uh, I can't say I'm a big Seeger fan, but I like that album a lot. I don't, I mean I don't have any strong opinions. 
All right, here goes my list. Okay. Uh, again, in no particular order, it's just I ordered them from longest ago release to most recent. Mm-hmm. Miles Davis, kind of blue, 1959. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, my, in my opinion, it's the greatest single jazz album that has ever been recorded. Um, I got a choice symbol from, from jazz. Nice. That's not choice. That's Italian chef kiss. Both. Choice. Choice. Okay. Uh, like, Kind of Blue is, is, is the, the, there's no better jazz album. It's the best jazz album. Um, Birth of Cool is very close to it. Bitches Brew isn't as, isn't as close, but Miles Blue, or Miles Blue, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, 1959. Uh, next one. John Prine, self-titled, John Prine, 1971. Figured that was coming. Uh, absolutely, hands down, my favorite country album of all time. Um, one of the most just... Uh, my mom would play it as a kid. Uh, I The song Sam Stone has stuck with me my entire life because it is a terribly sad song. John Prine does a beautiful job of just painting everyday things as extraordinary. And he's one of the best musicians who's ever lived. Uh, after that is George Winston's solo piano cover of December, which was written by Vivaldi. It's the four seasons, but it's George Winston, December, 1982. Uh, I've listened to that album my entire life. I listened to it, every year starting in November through to probably about the end of February. It's in my opinion, the greatest piano album ever recorded. It's a weird one because George Winston didn't write December. Like it's a Vivaldi thing. Do you know what I mean? Like George Winston has piano albums that he wrote and recorded. This is just his rendition of December by Vivaldi, but it's, 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 amazing it's amazing and my wife came down the aisle to canon and d that's on that album uh it's an amazing album it is in my opinion one of the few perfect albums of all time because there isn't a, there isn't a single moment on the album that you want to skip there isn't a single track on the album it's just perfect and even though it is vivaldi it's like winston it made it his own if you listen to enough winston like if you listen to forest or any of his other albums he makes it his own thing um next album is watermark by enya oh okay 1988 another album i've listened to my entire life and i listen to all the time it's got orinoco flow on it it is a dynamite album uh, and again, it's like December. There's not a single track I don't like on that album. There's not a single minute of it I don't I don't like. Um, and just as some explanation of my list, as I near the end of it, because I only have one more, I wanted to go with albums that because, th- like we said, this this list is impossible to make. I wanted to go with albums that I listen to all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, George Winston's December is probably the only one that I like. I don't listen to December in august (laughs) you know it's confusing statement i don't listen to december in the summer uh but i listen to them all the time 
And I, I at one point had a Beatles album on there, which was Abbey Road, by the way. Uh, but it was like, I don't know. Of course the Beatles are on there, but I get like, I could just make a list of the Beatles that are the five best albums of all time. You know, like rubber soul revolver, Abbey Road, white album, Sergeant Peppers. That's probably my list. Um, so that, that's what I try to do was pick five albums that I listen to all the time, but that I also think are, are musically very astounding and important. Um, my last album, which was the hardest one is uh power slave by iron maiden 1984. It's I, li- I listened to that one. So my li- my list is kind of blue, Abby or uh, kind of blue December, John Prine. It's just a self-titled album, uh, watermark and power slave. That's my list. My, okay. and then my runners up were, uh, Fleetwood Mac rumors. Okay. Slayer, Rain and Blood, <laughs> uh, which ultimately Rain and Blood got, it was like a a, ba- a tug of war for a while between Rain and Blood and uh, Power Slave. Um, and then the other one that almost made my list was Revolver by the Beatles because I love that album too. And I think that's arguably historically one of the most important albums of all time because it, oh. it changed music. I'll give one honorable mention. Uh, okay. Fuck, wait, this might not come out. When did this come out? I uh, don't know. 84, oh, thank God. Uh, I probably heard it several hundred times, maybe, maybe. Uh, but every Christmas was... Once Upon a Christmas by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. And it's it's a banger. It is. <laughs> it, like, I can I, I, I listen to it front to back. Man, I should listen to that tomorrow. What? A, what? That doesn't have castles in the sky, does it? No. I, no, I, no, okay. But that is, that's Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. I'm not wrong about that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So I'm just going to read these in order of who emailed them to us. Wait, you have to leave? Because I also really have to pee. I forgot to pee before the podcast start. Also, I don't want to read the list that we've been building up for two weeks without Dan there. We all know what we say about Dan, right? Dan's the ultimate heel. If you don't know the term heel, it's a wrestling term. There's a heel. Professional wrestling, not collegiate wrestling or anything. There's a heel and a baby face. Dan's the ultimate heel. I, who, where'd he go? What is he even doing? I'm just sitting here stalling. Do you guys want me to rant more about stocks and uh, the income inequality in our country and how fucked up it is? And how? Okay, Dan's back. See what you almost did? All right. So the first person to email us is Javin. Ooh. Top five before 1990. An impossible task in no particular order. Number one on his list, or not number one, but the first one, John Prine, John Prine. I, I had those two on your list <laughs> immediately. I love John Prine. Uh, besides Gene Wolfe, John Prine is the only artist that I, whose death I've been genuinely affected by. Uh, 
in I think my entire life. I don't know. I John Prine was a very important part of Javin's childhood and my childhood. We both had a parent that loved him. Uh, Javin had taken his dad to see John Prine recently, and I was like, "That's a great idea." I'm next time he's in town. I'm going to take my mom to see John Prine. That'll be awesome. And then fucking COVID got him. Really bummed me out, but he was something else, man. Boston, Boston. Ooh, that one. I was surprised. I'm surprised I, that's I, not on well, your list because you love foreplay it. long time. I almost, I almost picked it. You did, okay. Yeah, that was that was. I I think that I love foreplay long time, but yeah. I almost, I almost put an Allen Brothers song, album on there too. There's a, there's a live Allen Brothers album that I, that is just like full of bangers that I almost picked. Uh, next is Aretha Franklin. I never loved a man the way I love you. Hmm. I've never listened to that album. I'm sure I've heard songs off it, but I might have to listen to that tomorrow. I've never listened to that album. Hmm. Uh, next one is Metallica uh, and Justice for All. Just kidding. Just kidding. Metallica Ma- Metallica Master of Puppets is what Javin put in there. It's Saint Anger. He loves snare drums. <laughs> and then finally, uh, The Cure, Disintegration. Huh. Hey, Javin, does Disintegration have a I Will Always Love You? Because that's the only, the only Cure song that I really know and like. Uh, because when I... A perfect circle covered that, and it's awesome. Is your chat broken? Are people still in chat? Uh, the last thing I got is Top Stocks pre nineteen ninety from Rolo. Here they are. They're here. Okay, I have one from Rolo that says we have one in common. Oh, uh, there's there's two messages after that. What were they? Uh, Top Stocks pre nineteen ninety. Okay. Uh, and Javin just said nope. Oh, that which one just showed up, which was yeah, to me yeah. saying Injustice for All, which is yeah. kind of a an inside joke that me and Rolo believe the best Metallica album ever is Injustice for All, and everybody else thinks it's Master Puppets. Uh, okay, Dan, now it's your turn to vamp, because I'm going to go pee. I, did, I forgot to pee before the podcast started, so have fun. Uh, the beer is... It went with a, a Voodoo Ranger. Uh, this one is Captain Dynamite. Uh, it's from New Belgium. They've been doing uh, a bunch of different types of Voodoo Ranger. Um, that's like their IPA. It's pretty good. I'll give it. I'll give it a pretty good. Hmm. Ah. Boston, Boston. That was that was tough. I re- I really thought about that. I think. I think the Almond Brothers was uh, the last cut from my list. There was a. Uh, I, th- I think some of them made it on there. More more nostalgia than uh, than anything. I think that really. I think that really helped nostalgia wise. Uh, yeah, well, be, these aren't the the best beers I've ever had, but. Uh, like them both, um, you know. Like I'll, I'll enjoy the whole six pack. You know, I'm not gonna, 
I'm not going to dump them down the drain. I'll drink them. Oh, welcome back. All right, I got I got an idea. With some of your oh. GameStop money, you need to buy a mini fridge so that you don't have to leave the podcast anymore to get a new beer. I don't know. Let's get a cooler. No, get a mini fridge. <clears throat> I, don't need, I don't need a fridge upstairs. Uh, <laughs> uh, he says, I was answering your cure question. Oh, okay. Okay, so that song is not on there. For a $10 six-pack, you can't go wrong. Okay. I will always love you. Next up is Kibby. I hope Kibby's still here. Kibby, if you're here, shoot a message in chat. Um, okay. I don't know if these are in any particular order. It doesn't. Go for it. He doesn't say either way. Number one, Eagles' okay. greatest hiss, best-selling album of all time. He says. Uh, number two, Run DMC, Raising Hell, broke the color barrier in music. I don't think I've ever listened to Run DMC's Raising Hell. Um, the other thing, by the way, we thought would be fun is for somebody to make a spot. I don't have Spotify, but for somebody to make a Spotify list of uh, all these albums, oh, yeah. um, that would be really fun. I have Google Music, which is now YouTube Music, uh, so I'll make a list on there, uh, and I'll just. I think what I'll do is add all these and listen to these. Jimi Hendrix all along the watchtower and he says Bible for guitarists. I'm told it's a fantastic <laughs> album. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to put, are you Rolo? Are you going to do both YouTube music and which one are you saying? Are you doing both or, or let me know which one you're doing? Cause I didn't think you had Spotify either, I guess. Um, yeah, I almost put, are you experienced on there? Because it's awesome. Okay, Spotify. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson, Thriller. And then he wrote Change How the Music Industry Marketing. Change How the Music Industry was marketed, I suppose. Uh, Javin says he'll do Apple Music. Uh, And then finally, Thriller is an awesome album. You know what's funny? I didn't even consider Michael Jackson. But again, I I can't say that I listened to Oh Man Are... Our stream just tanked hard. It's been doing it all night to work. Okay. Uh, I can't say that I listen to Michael Jackson all that often, but I know that I love the album Thriller. Yeah. And then on NWA straight out of Compton. Ooh. He says literally flipped the music industry on its head. That is a great album. That's one I've listened to many times throughout my life. Straight out of Compton. I haven't been to many concerts in my life, but I will say that going to see the Eagles Farewell 4 Man, three hours of just the Eagles. Farewell four. Oh yeah, farewell four at that point. You know, get all the, everybody doing their solo shit too. Oh man, what great show, great show. Joey's got a tennis ball up on the couch with him. He's just staring at it. What are you? <laughs> He's so dumb. Oh nope, he's over it. Um. And then Kibby says, bonus top five list. Yeah, I like that list. Uh, <laughs> Wall of Beef, I thought the exact same thing. I, I know. Was like, I, I'm like, 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 I'm
an NWA concert or really any concert where Dan's going to get a contact high. Mm. Uh, Kimmy says bonus top five list. Okay. <gasps> Vitam Anderson emailed his <laughs> top five list that should happen on the show. Drink more whiskey. Unless I have a Friday off and my kids are going to be gone. That's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but I do top like whiskey. whiskey. Top five whiskeys. No, he says drinking more whiskey. That's a top five list? Top five whiskey is just, it's Jameson all the way down for me. That's What's, a lie. I don't even know what another whiskey is. We'll do a top five, well, top whiskey. If you're counting right? scotch, I can make the list. Top scotch, top Irish, top rye, top bourbon. Oh, wait, I'm American. stupid. I'm. Am I not just, all of a sudden, I'm not counting Canadian Club or uh, Crown Royal? Mm. I, uh, I could name it. We'll, we'll have a Friday off. We'll we'll do we'll we'll each bring our who's gonna our watch five my, favorite whiskeys. Who's gonna watch my kids? My wife, I guarantee, is yeah. sitting right above me in that stupid chair, going, "Nope." I'll make sure she watches them. He says number two is broadcast from neighbor's house while they are on vacation. I don't want to go to jail, Kibby. Nope, nope. Top five things that should happen on the show: movie night. <clears throat> uh, what did Javin say? Yup to. So me going to an NWA concert, getting contact high. Yes. Uh, movie. We can stream when I. I don't want to stream Discord movie night, but we can stream a movie night if other people sign off on it once movie night's back. I don't know if it's not up to me, Kibby. It's up to everyone else. Eight other people. Uh, pie eating contest and a disco ball. I'm not going to get a disco ball. You'd have to convince Dan. I also don't... I've eaten on the podcast before and nobody liked it. No. So I didn't do it. This, but, this, is, uh, this, is a, this is a monk bang. As my kids get older, I for sure I'll take. I'll just take a Friday off and we can have a whiskey drinking podcast. I still think Wall Beef said his favorite podcast we ever did was the one where we both got like pretty hammered <laughs> drinking whiskey and it just turned into a shit show. Uh, good list, Kibby. I think my favorite pick on there is Jimi Hendrix. I would have picked. I, diff- I would have picked a different album. What'd you get a lol for? I didn't even. I'm just on fire. I didn't even pay attention. Okay, I got to keep these in the inbox. Verbal creator support. Your podcast station is live on Verbal. We did it. We didn't even ask you to. We're do- on Verbal. We didn't ask you to do that, Verbal. <laughs> just <laughs> what the fuck is this? Just taking matters into their own hands. All right, uh, Matt. I don't see your albums on here. Well, he oh, just he, did it though. No, he emailed. He emailed me. That's fine. Uh, Pat never emailed us. Been texting all night. Oh, he texted us about it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Next up is okay. Rob Leonard. Okay. He says this was hard, <laughs> and the list is still changing as I sent this. All right, so Rob did what I did, and he just seems to have put them in order. Oh, no, he didn't. Okay, there's no particular order. He just put the years in here like I did. Boston, Boston. Same as Javin. Uh, 1976. Me and Rob have both have Power Slave by Iron Maiden, 1984. Okay. Nice. This was, the other, this was the other metal album that I bumped uh, off of mine. I bumped... I mean, I could do top five metal albums before 1990 and struggle with that. 
Um, cause I wanted several Slayer albums and I also wanted this album on there, Metallica and justice for all. And then it just says, especially Mike, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was a hard choice for me. It was like, I, I knew I want, I couldn't just have three metal albums on there. I wanted it to be more very. I mean, I could have, but I wanted it to be more varied than that. So I had injustice for all rain and blood and power slave all on there and i was like well metallica is kind of the beatles answer for me like it's too obvious and i just not obvious it was just like i don't know you're a hipster i get it i'm a hipster and so i took it off and then rain and blood and power slave i don't know it could it could have gone either way uh creedence clearwater revival cosmos factory I don't think I've ever listened to that album. I think I've only ever the only credence I've ever listened to are best of albums. I suppose yeah, I've never sat down. Been my top, that have been in my top ten, probably. I've never sat down. A top ten list would have been far easier to make. I think we, we listened to a ton of credence growing up. Guys at the top, not don't put Metallica on their list. That's true. Uh, and then he put in Ingve Malstein Rising Force, which I've never, I've never listened That's- to. That's a Rob answer. Yeah, that's a Rob answer. How is Dream Theater not on your list? Mine? I don't know. <laughs> not you. Uh, Rob, this is a great list. I've never... I'm sure that I would love Cosmos Factory. I've never... I've only listened to Ingve talk. I've yeah. never listened to Ingve Malstein do anything other than talk because he's... Yeah, <laughs> Jevin says the robbest of Rob picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so the Dream Theater album you would have picked came out after 1990. Uh, you know what I better make sure of right now? Because I'm going to have to modify my list. Oh, thank God. Uh, Schwatt did have me go down a Gordon Lightfoot rabbit hole when he put the words Gordon, Gordon Lightfoot in chat. <laughs> he put Gordon and Lightfoot like, in chat. Oh god. But I couldn't I couldn't find one that had the stuff I remembered. Like oh like it, it was too scattershot. So like I couldn't find the Gordon album Lightfoot that album that I would pick has the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Just it's like just that one. Just keep skipping that song. It's just whatever album has that on it, that's the album. Uh, so he's got so many great songs. Uh, he's, a, he's a Canadian treasure. Rolo says Rising Force is a big deal for the guitar community, and it blew me away when I first got into it. And yeah, I expected these comments. Uh, I had a panic moment because I was like, "Shit, I can't oh, remember. No. I can't remember if Ten came out in 1990 or 1991." So I had to quickly Google it, and it was 91. Because otherwise, number one with a bullet on my list would be Ten. Like, there's no. If that came out 1990 or before, there's no album that's better than that. It would be 10. Find you been creeping around my back stairs. Fuck. We're gonna listen. We're gonna listen to Google, or we're gonna listen to uh, Google. I'm gonna tell Google to play Gordon Lightfoot tomorrow while we're cooking dinner. Good choice. Good list, Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh. Schwatt didn't email us a list. It's just Gordon Lightfoot, just in general. Just Gordon Lightfoot. All right. Next comes from Wall Beef. Uh, Pre-1990 top five albums. 
I don't know if these are in order or not. I'm just going to read them in the order he sent us. Minuteman, Double Nickels on the Dime, 1984. It's a great album. I don't know them. Who's that? Minuteman, they're a, they're a punk band from the 80s. I don't know if okay. they were around in the 70s. Uh, okay, it is, it is in order. Uh, but yeah, Minutemen. Actually, it's Jeff is the one who turned me on to Minutemen. I never really listened to them before, uh, before Jeff. Or Wall Beef. Uh, number two is Metallica, Ride the Lightning. Great choice. I would say that's probably the second best Metallica album ever. Uh, Ride the Lightning is... Especially the title track off that album. I love Ride the Lightning. Um, this was one that I considered for my list. It wasn't really like a final... Uh, it, it wasn't a runner-up. But it was one that I considered briefly. The Replacements, Please to Meet Me. It's a dynamite album. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um, I'm thinking of the right one, right? Please to Meet Me. Yes, I am. I can see the cover in my mind. ZZ Top, Eliminator is number four. I've never listened to a ZZ Top album or any song outside of their popular songs, I don't think. So I, I have no... Basically, what I'm saying is I don't have any comments on it. Uh, and then Black Flag Damaged, which mm. Black Flag is one of those bands that I like. I want to be more into, but I can't ever get into. Is it, hey, uh, Wall of Beef? Does Black Flag have, or does Damaged have uh, My War on it? Is that that album? Because that's arguably my favorite. Uh, whoa. whoa! Not Costanza. I saw Metallica ride the lightning in concert when I was ten. That fucking rules, man. Um, he's, he's lived that life ever since uh-huh. <laughs> if there's anybody who rides the lightning it's Ben no my war has my war okay thank you <laughs> Um, good list I really like the Minutemen that got in there and I really like that somebody got the replacements in there that album I, probably would have made my top 10 I, I, I will say I think I would I didn't get into like uh, the sound of like Metallica until I think too late for them to really make an impression on me. Oh, it has uh, rise above on there. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, like 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 it did with you guys. Like I didn't really listen to like a lot of music like growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't under I didn't until like later on realize that I really liked that sound. Like especially at the, like, like I think like Rage was the first thing that kind of turned me. It's like oh wait, but that's in, I, like, don't, I don't I don't hate this kind of music. Is that in high school or is that after high school? That was high school, like okay. late high school. I so Metallica. I mean, would be around the same age for me. Where Metallica, I just thought I had the Black album, and that's kind of what I thought of Metallica mm-hmm. as. And then my buddy Donnie bought Ride the Lightning, and I listened to like Ride the Lightning, which is way more thrash than it is like the way Metallica sounds in the Black album. And I was like, "Whoa, what is this?" Uh, and then my sister's boyfriend at the time, like it was a few days later played one for me while we were driving somewhere and I'd never heard one before by Metallica. Mm-hmm. And th- one was like, you know, the gif of Eric Wareheim doing like the, that is one. It was just like, holy shit. Like I didn't realize cause that out uh, that I really think that one is the best song that Metallica ever wrote it's so good 
and it's 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 like Stairway to Heaven in which it starts one way, and then it just goes into this fucking crazy ass solo. I think they use they use something insane like seven different guitars that were tuned differently to record that song, or like that's some random thing I remember hearing from somebody at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, and then I was like, okay, well now I got to look more into. Metallic and I went out and I bought Kill 'Em All and I bought Ride the Lightning and I bought Justice and yeah it was just like because the Master of Puppets I also knew that song so I didn't buy Master and was just fully on board with Metallica at that point. <laughs> All right, so now in order I'm gonna go to my stepdad's list. Ooh. Uh, he got it to me next. He says, here's my list. Your mom took most of mine. And I was like, <laughs> I texted him. I was like, you can have the same, like you can have similar albums, but he doesn't seem to care. Uh, he says, these are artists whose albums generally have good music throughout. There are other artists such as Billy Joel, The Stones, Gladys Knight, Don McLean. All excellent albums, but their al- albums were filled with hits. So this is his list. Santana, Supernatural. Ooh. Uh, my stepdad is where I get my love. I have like four or five Santana albums on vinyl. I really enjoy Santana. And I think it's probably the reason I love the Mars Volta as much as I do, because they were heavily influenced by Santana. If you're not, what's, what's the Santana album with the guy from some nineties band? What's that song? Oh, that, that whole cover. That's not, not covered, but it's him and like different pop stars on every song. What, whatever that is. That's not Santana. Santana is, if you listen to their albums from like, the 60s and 70s those are bangers rob thomas mm-hmm. thank you rob uh but yeah i'm I, so smooth i can remember listening to santana with my stepdad under the moon and then he he says bg's main course never listened to that album in my life i don't have anything bg's is disco I don't hate the bg's no is bg's disco yeah <laughs> Um, I was laughing. I was laughing at Rollo's comments. Saw him at the last Rob meeting. <laughs> That's stupid. Uh, uh, Supernatural is the album was smooth. Yeah, I own three or four of Santana albums on vinyl, which is just me saying that. Like, I like them enough to buy them in a physical medium. At this point in time, you know, I don't listen to a lot of like physical albums all my stuff's on on youtube music um, like I, I don't i don't i don't hate the bgs but i can see why a person of your stepdad's age yeah would be very fond of the bgs bgs main course so i'm gonna definitely have to listen to that one too uh and then he says beatles magic mystery tour great choice that has uh i am the walrus on it i believe which is a dynamite beatles album or song uh and then he says aretha franklin i never loved a man wait is that one mike had what was the one Mike had? I don't remember the name of the, the Mike one. Uh, I never know I loved a man the way I love you. How did I, how do I, how have I never listened to that? If my stepdad loves that album that much, I was, I was looking at a list of like Rolling Stones, top 500 albums of all time. It's number two. Really? <laughs> Cause like my, my stepdad loves Sly and the family stone. And I mean, just all sorts of, I don't know. I just, it's just interesting that I didn't, hear that album growing up mm-hmm. uh and then his last one is michael jackson thriller ah. 
that's a great list, man. Mm-hmm. Santana Supernatural, which is one of the albums I have upstairs. BG's main chorus I've never heard. Beatles Magic Mystery Tour. Aretha I Never Loved a Man, which I need to listen to now. That that may be the first album I listen to tomorrow, and then Michael Jackson Thriller. Yeah, start with Aretha tomorrow, and then the Bee Gees. No, it sounds like my stepdad dropped the ball wall of beef. He should have been playing Aretha for me while I was growing up. Um, <laughs> Rollo says, nobody is getting anything done. I'll get a lot done. I love to listen to music and work. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next is my mom. She, she cheated at one point. <laughs> she tried to. Tried to get six. All right. Here's my mom's list. Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Yep. Great album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water, Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, that could arguably make my top 20. That's a really, really good album. Yep. Uh, this one would have been on Pat's list if he had emailed us a, uh, a list. T for the Tillerman by Cat Stevens. Mm. I remember listening to Cat Stevens growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hotel California by the Eagles. My mom and I, what's funny is independently, my mom and I came to the same conclusion on the Beatles because I was giving her a bunch of shit for not putting the Beatles on her list. You don't know the last one on her list, but I was giving her a bunch of shit for it. Like, you're not even going to put the Beatles on there? You think Hotel California is better than the Beatles? And she was like, I don't know. The Be- like, I could just make a top five list that's all the Beatles. And I just thought it was funny. We came to the same conclusion of like, I'm not going to include the Beatles because my list could just be five Beatles albums. <laughs> Uh, her final one was one. So I had, I told myself once I email the list to myself, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to add anything. And she had this one on there and I was like, fuck, I didn't even consider this album, but maybe I should have, uh, bringing it all back home by Bob Dylan. Oh, it's such a good album. Mm-hmm. So I really, I, I mean, obviously, it's my mom. She's probably the number one influence on my musical taste. But Hotel California definitely top ten for me. Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie Wonder, Bridge Over Troubled Water, Simon and Garfunkel, T for the Tillerman, Cat Stevens, Hotel California, The Eagles, Bring It All Back Home, Bob Dylan, and her honorable mention would be five Beatles albums that I named: Rubber Soul, Revolver, uh, Sergeant Pepper's, uh, White Album, and Abbey Road. Um, the list do not have to be ranked. I don't know why Rob's shouting. Um, uh, well, Schrott was asking. No, I know what I'm just making fun of Rob because he did all caps. Uh, she had one other honorable honorable mention. She did. She at one point sent me a panicked email that said, "Oh my God, what about Tom Waits, Willie Nelson, John Prine?" <laughs> I was kind of disappointed she didn't have John Prine's album on there. Um, but again, it's an impossible list to make. The other one was Tapestry by Carol King, which if you've never listened to Tapestry by Carol King, that's a phenomenal album. Okay. Listen to that one tomorrow. Tapestry by Carol King. It's, it's a very, very good album. Those are her honorable mentions. Uh, dance, dance just outside the top five. Almond, Boston, Boston, Hotel California, Creedence Clearwater, that's. I got four for now. Don't know. I don't know. It's really hard. That's what, I, don't so, my, I don't know what my I don't know what my thumb is going to be. For what 10. we could do is do like a top five, the same top five list next week, 
and I could make a whole new list. Got to pick five more. Yeah. Um, my, I tried to get my brother to do this, and he emailed me and just said, "Oh my God! Starting from when the best record, the best, the beginning of recorded music? That's hopeless." Uh, and then he said a bunch of other stuff. And then he just said, thanks for exploding my brain, (laughs) (laughs) uh, trying to wrap itself around such an absurd idea and request. If I come up with something, I'll let you know. But all I can say for sure is that Grover sings the blues has to be on there. (laughs) I just liked that answer. Grover sings the blues. Uh, Okay. And then this, post nineties pre two thousand. Perfect. Oh, wait. From ninety one to two thousand. There was one other list that got tweeted at us, uh, and then I'll get to Matt's list. I'm just doing these in the order that I got them. So this is our buddy Ray. He tweeted his list at us. Uh, London Calling by the Clash. Great album. I don't know if it even makes my top twenty, but it, it's impossible to deny that it's a great album. Uh, Tim by the Replacements. Great album. Um, Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones was one I considered. Exile. Wait. Does Exile on Main Street have uh, Rip This Joint? Can somebody look that up for me? I'm pretty sure it does. I'll just look it up. That's the one where they went to like France and just kind of like exile themselves. To right no, there. I thought Exile on Main Street was the one where they went to Louisiana. Rip This Joint. Yes, this is the album I'm thinking of. This was one I considered. Uh, it was. I couldn't remember if it was this or uh, "Let It Bleed," but it's. I knew it was the one that had exile or uh, "Rip This Joint." "Let It Bleed" is also great, but I this was one album that I did consider. It's a top tier album that actually Ray turned me on to. I had never in my life listened to Rolling Stones other than, uh, yeah, Musical Shoals in the South. I thought it was. I thought it was in like Louisiana in uh I can't why can't I think of the famous place in Louisiana New Orleans New Orleans um I had never really spent any time listening to the Rolling Stones other than what was like in movies and on the radio and then Ray turned me on to Exile and uh Let It Bleed and I was like what is this cuz it just it doesn't sound like the pop Rolling Stones that I was used to. To the Jerky Boys count. Yeah, post 90s, 100%. <laughs> if we're going to do a post 90s list, the Jerky Boys, sure. No, uh-huh. it's not music. I mean, they have albums. Yeah, I guess. If it's just, it's not top music albums, it's just top albums. You can have Jerky Boys. Uh, Highway 61 Revisited by Bob Dylan. Great choice. Could have yes. made, could have made my list as well. Uh, and then, oh, it's in Alabama. Okay, thank you. And then Squeezing Out Sparks by Graham Parker and The Rumor. I've never heard of that band or that album. Mm-mm. But that's what that's what Ray said. And then he also said, sorry, it's not an email form. And then I love Mike so much because he sent the Hank Scorpio, sorry, it's not in packets. Yeah. Uh, did anybody say Springsteen? Nobody said Springsteen. Okay. Uh, Springsteen. Uh, w- uh, I'm trying to think of big artists that, that weren't. Not born, not born to run. 
I mean, boy, I might be born to run. What's darkness on the edge of town? Mm-hmm. One of those two would maybe make my top 20. I'd have to listen to them back to back to decide which one I can't. It's been so long since I listened to either of those. No, not born in the USA, Ben. I also, when did, when did born to run come out? 80s? Born to run. No, I don't want to buy it. God damn. Not too late. It's in your it's in your cart. <laughs> uh nineteen seventy-five and then Exile was before that, I believe. Or no, not Exile. Darkness. Uh oh no, it was after it. Nineteen seventy-eight. E- either one of those could make my top 20 i think but yeah ray's list is a great list london calling tim exile on main street highway 61 squeezing out sparks i'm gonna have to listen to that mm-hmm. uh okay now we'll go to vita manderson's list here got it in just under the bell Ooh, this first one's really good he says, sorry, we're solo with the kids today. No worries. Uh, it was two weeks. <laughs> synchronicity by the police. Okay. I'm fine with that. A synth, okay. a synth delight, he says. <laughs> it's a very mad statement. A synth delight. Watched Dune yesterday. Stings How is that? Uh, like the old school Dune? Oh, it's, I don't care yeah. about that. I thought you watched the new one. No, that's not till November. Um, I don't know. He formatted this weird. Because I don't know what the name of the album is. It says, So hyphen Peter Gabriel hyphen Sledgehammer. Is one of those a song? Matt, are you still in here? Is Sledgehammer an album too? Or just the name of the song? I don't know why it says so before it. What album is that on? Oh, no. So is the album. Oh, okay. And there's Sledgehammer is the song. Okay. So, so. <laughs> the song, or the album is So by Peter Gabriel. And then he says, Sledgehammer, favorite song of my youth. I don't think I ever listened to the album ever yeah i don't think i've ever listened to this album i'll have to do well i keep saying that over and over again uh bad by michael jackson great pick mm-hmm. the true he says the true best michael jackson album so, <laughs> those are strong words a lot, yeah. of, a lot of people i think would pick thriller i don't know the albums well enough to pick one over the other i'd have to listen to them back to back and tell you what i thought this is one I'm surprised was not on Rolo's list. And if Rolo's still in here, I'm going to be curious to see his reaction. I'm never going to read it. Texas Flood by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, okay. I really expected a Stevie Ray album from, from Rolo. <laughs> Rolo just puts an ellipses in. Uh... I'm so. Did you? Why did you put the ellipses in? Did you consider Stevie Ray or did you forget him? Because it's totally, 
it's totally admissible to just have forgotten an artist because like when my mom said Tom Waits, I was like, fuck, closing time and swordfish trombones. And I didn't even, I like, I didn't even think about any of this. Okay. Yeah, that was close. What made the chopping block. Okay. So he did think of Stevie Ray. And then he says the cars, the cars, so many rippers. I had never listened to that album until probably a year and a half ago when Javin told me to listen to it. And it is a really good album. I'd never listened to it, but then I listened to it for like a week straight, and I was like, how did I not know how good this album was? This was really fun. Those are some great lists. What are you Googling? I don't know. I think of a name here. I don't know. What were you? Tr- what's the name? What What were you trying to think of? I don't know. <laughs> I'm drawing. I'm drawing a complete blank right now. What? What did you type in your browser? The Kinks. So you have a general idea of what you're trying to think I of. I do, but I'm trying. I'm trying to find it. Um. Yeah. So yeah, some albums that were uh uh uh. Runners up for me would be Did I already say rumors? What? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh That was on there for me. I don't feel like I have to name like the Beatles I can list more runners up. These aren't <laughs> runners up. These are more like wanted to make the cut, but just couldn't get them in there. Um, Talking Head seventy seven was one. Mm-hmm. That's got Psycho Killer on it. That's a that's a stellar album. Um, uh, shit, I can't think of the name of it. Um. Purple Rain. God, that took forever. Purple Rain was another one that was uh, definitely considered. How did you make your list? I just started trying to remember things that I remember seeing like put into a CD player or a tape player and worked from there and then thought of songs I remember liking a lot and seeing if I could remember the CD they would have been on. Like, because that, like, that, that was the hard part is like, there's a lot of times where I think of a song, but it was, it, but it was, it just like maybe just come from the radio or it was Queen's greatest hits. Like, so I, it, I couldn't right. turn that into a, like a CD from Queen, even though there's a lot of Queen I like, I can't picture a CD from them or an album. I gave myself the stipulation that it had to be an album that I listened to multiple times a year, every year. Uh, that was one of my stipulations. Um, and then what I did is I just I made a huge list and started whittling it down. And so, like when I, the ones that were like runners up were ones that were on the list and then got like moved out. But I was, but like on the document I was working on, it would like get moved out, 
And then I was like, well, I don't want to delete it because I might, I might want to add it back. You know what I mean? Like I might change my, so the ones that ended up just staying at the bottom of my list and never got deleted, like rain and blood and rumors, those never, like those were my runners up. Um, Harvest by Neil Young was another one that I was really close. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that That was on mine for a while. Was it? Okay. Well, it was like in my, in my chunk of like 10. Harvest is a great album. It was it it was maddening to make, but it was also like really, really fun to just go through. And I loved mm-hmm. I loved the being confined to five albums because it really made you just like pick. That's, it was I didn't realize it like when I first said it because I was like, oh, I I listen to some music sometimes. Like I'm not, but then like as you guys started to like talk to each other constantly about it. I'm like, oh, this is really hard. <laughs> it was. <laughs> because it was like, man, I want the, uh, they played the rumor they played rumors on the current today when I was driving to work. And it was just like, oh man, this or they didn't play rumors. They played uh Break the Chain or Chain or whatever that album's called. Or mm-hmm. song is called. Uh and then yeah, it was like the replacements. I you know, and it also made me like like I haven't listened to some of those Rolling Stone albums, or like even now Bruce Springsteen, "Darkness on the Edge of Town." It's like, man, I haven't listened to that album in years. Mm-hmm. I should go back and listen to that album. And like "Darkness on the Edge of Town" and and "Born to Run," that's another album. Those are two other albums that I didn't listen. Nobody in my family listened to those while I was growing up. And I just thought of Bruce Springsteen as kind of the hokey born in the U like born in the USA. That's all I thought of when I thought of Bruce Springsteen. Same here growing up. That's like, I thought of him as like, he always said, dude, just this New Jersey dude. Like, yeah. And he wrote, whatever. And then Ray and Ty, uh, from Best Buy were like, no, you should, you should listen to these albums. Mm -hmm. And I did. And was just like, Oh my God! These are like "Born in the USA" does not represent Bruce Springsteen well at all. You should like you got to listen to "Darkness on the Edge of Town." I mean, it's just night and day, in my opinion. Uh, the one that I, the one that I I hated that they tried, and I'm I'm surprised they're not on anybody's list, I guess. But. They got me like like I said, they got me into Bruce Springsteen and they got me into some Rolling Stone albums and they got like there there are a number of other things that like those guys, Ray and Ty, got me into that I had just kind of written off up until that point. The one album that I tried to revisit was uh whatever the whatever the most famous uh Guns N' Roses album is. Mm-hmm. I still fucking hate that album. I hate that band. I think they're so overrated and they just suck tiny wieners <laughs> i just i hate guns and roses i don't understand the appeal i really hate uh axe or whatever his name is the lead axel the lead singer and slash i don't know that band can get bent they suck i don't get that band at all appetite for destruction thank you uh i, I had the name chinese democracy in my head but that's not it like I remember, uh, like, I've been listening to like some like Allman Brothers stuff, like years and years and years ago, but like I never heard like the 
I think it's I think it's probably like the Live at the Fillmore album. And Jam put it on in his house once we were just like over there just drinking or whatever, like back when they lived in Eagle Valley. And it's like just like the eighteen minute like whipping post like version that's just like it's just good. and like he like he comes back in with his like to the whipping like it's just like I fucking love the Almond Brothers, man. They're so good. I should maybe listen. Like that's the other thing is that I realized that like man, there's still so much music out there for me to just listen to and experience, and and, and they're all they're all albums from before 1990. Like <laughs> the one that really blows me away is the Aretha album because I grew mm. up with my parents constantly either having talk radio on or music on all the time, and it. So when I realized, like, wait, shit, because I didn't, re- I didn't read any of the lists besides my mom, because she was texting me about it constantly, which was fun. Uh, I didn't read anybody's lists really before we got on here, because I wanted mm-hmm. my, I just wanted like fresh, fun reactions. So when I read that and I realized it was the same as Javin's, it was like, wait, how do I not know that album? Because I should have at some point listened to that music with yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, another runner-up. Well, one that my mom had on her first list was Al Green's Greatest Hits. And I was oh. like, ah, you can't have Greatest Hits, which, Kibby, <laughs> don't, Kibby, don't worry about it. We made that rule, like, way after. Nobody knew. Uh, it's not really a rule either. But I was like, oh, you can't have Greatest Hits. And she was like, oh, okay. But uh, I just don't know how I've missed that album. And I'm now wondering, like, will I listen to that album and be like, oh, I know this album. Not Costanza says Alabama for a country band. Okay. Okay. They're not bad. Allman Brothers, though. That's, that, that's, I think, I think I didn't give, that's a band that I didn't give enough credit to earlier on. Because I just pictured them as like a Leonard Skip, like, like, just like a, like a, like country, like, just like, Southern dudes just making like Southern whatever, rock, whatever, whatever rock, but it's like, no, it's so much more. It's so like the guitars and the, and the vocal, like, it's just, they're, they're my favorite of that sort of band. I should listen out. to them more. Have you listened to much Leonard Skinner? Oh, uh, not, not enough. Probably. I'd say I, I tried to, I tried to get into them, but I like, I don't think free bird is that great of a song. I think it was probably great when it came. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. over time that it's one of those songs where like Stairway to Heaven is still still holds up. Oh yeah. But like Freebird I think is one that just doesn't it doesn't stand the test of time. If that makes sense. It doesn't mean it's a bad song. It's a good song and it was phenomenal when it came out, but now it's just like, yeah, it's a good song. But give me back my bullets. I really love uh, Simple Ooh, Man. Sim- smell. Simple Man is a great song. That's that that is a I think a genuinely fantastic song. Respectfully disagree. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, other albums I had on my list, like I said, were Tom Waits' Closing Time. Uh, Semi-sonic Closing Time. Nope. Uh, Swordfish Trombones. Um. Some Bob Dylan stuff. Uh, and then I think 
the true final cut for me was probably maybe you've been brainwashed too by the new radicals that that was on there till like the you, bitter end you had to google that before you could even say oh, 100%. uh i would put yeah rain dogs is another one i would put bringing it all back home by bob dylan above highway 61 and blonde on blonde only because it has uh Subterranean Homesick Blues, which is like my favorite Bob Dylan song of all time. That's the one that's uh, Johnny's in the basement mixing up the medicine. I'm oh, yeah. the like fucking. It's such a good song. Uh, Are you experienced? Almost made it on my list. There's just so many albums that you could throw in there. Oh, uh, the Doors. Uh, Are you a door? I love that album. <laughs> They they didn't almost make it on the list, but they were on like the initial like I'm just gonna list all the albums I can think mm-hmm. of, and it was like thirty or forty albums. Oh yeah, I had like the Who at one. I like like yeah. when I was going through my initial things that I remembered like liking. Uh, so, Are yeah. you a door? So Thursday the twenty fifth. That's uh, the end of February. Okay. Um. So you people, you have a month. Oh no! Uh, I'm sending you on a mission again because I hate you all. Uh, <laughs> top five movie soundtracks. What? <laughs> of all time? I don't know. Of all, all time? Yeah, your 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 five favorite movie soundtracks. I don't know. I don't know if that one's going to get as much traction, Dan. Damn it! I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll think of something then. I don't ever listen to movie soundtracks. I listen to a lot. Uh, I mean, we could also do just top five albums between... Uh, soundtrack... Both. Both, Jevin. Soundtracks or scores? All right, cool. We'll keep it. I won't even, I won't even float my idea. Soundtracks or scores. And then... Barring nothing happening that derails us from the podcast like last week, we're going to do that on when? February. Uh, so you, get, you get a month. What's the date? Uh, the 25th of February. That's the last Thursday? Yep. Okay. So top five movie soundtracks or scores. We'll read them on February 25th. Top five Hanna-Barbera cartoons. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is just gonna, we're gonna change the title of this podcast. Nobody knew that, but it's gonna what, be what's, what, what's a month? It's gonna be called Top Five Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like I had more to say about Wall Street, and I just kind of f- froze up in the moment when we were originally <laughs> talking about it. I, I don't. I, I think you you definitely got your your point across, like how like how how it makes you feel. I think. Yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah, well, like it, it, it's one of those things where it is nice to see the only real pushback is from ultra wealthy, out of touch people. Everyone else that is wealthy and actually seems to understand the way society 
he's reacting like Mark Cuban. Yeah, like Mark, like, Mark, Mark, like, Mark Cuban had a great response to it like, too. Elon Musk, like these these hyper wealthy guys are just like you know what? Fuck I it. <laughs> I feel like Mark Cuban has been painted as like this total chode asshole. But every time I see a little clip of him or I listen to him, I'm like, I kind of like Mark Cuban. I don't. Hate I don't. Mark Cuban. I don't know enough about him to say either way. I also galled. I had to hold it in because you were talking. But Rob said this might top sound five stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, that just sounds so dumb. Um, top five stupid sounds. Like I, I've got a, I've got, I've, I've grown to have just more of like kind of like a respect for him as like a human being. Like he had, uh, there was a player of his because he he owns the Kings, the Sacramento Kings NBA team. I actually um, knew that. And one of his old players, like really, like people were like super worried about this guy. Like he disappeared a couple times. Like he had like really bad stuff with drugs. Um, and I forget if it, if it was the, the guy's mom or whatever, but someone basically like like hey we we haven't seen him in a while, and someone tweeted at Mark Cuban like hey like we can't find him like. So like Mark's like I'm um, you know I'm on it, and so like he found him and like got him in rehab and like basically like paid for him to, like stay like put him in rehab got him to stay there, and like the guy's been doing great like he's like he's he's still in there and he's like working at the rehab center but like you can tell like he genuinely cared about him like his like his former employee. I've watched a few things with him and yeah he just so Spider Anderson says Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I just knew he owned a sports team. I'm pretty sure it's basketball, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't know the Kings or the Mavericks were basketball men. Now you do. Uh, but every time I see a clip of him, I'm like, he seems like a decent person. That and that that was ultimately my point. I don't care if you make a million billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't give a fuck. But I want to be able to have a life because I really do think there are people who work, and maybe Mark Cuban is one of them. There are people who work hard enough to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. I think uh, I think uh, Gary V is a prime example of that. Like Gary V is a guy whose dad moved here and opened up a wine store and busted his ass to make it successful. And Gary V then busted his ass to make it even more successful and started a, a you know his own companies based on that success and based on some of his early internet success. That guy fucking works his ass off. If that guy wants to make a billion dollars and buy the Jets, which is his, you know, he always claims is his ultimate goal. He wants to buy the Jets. Cool. I don't give a fuck. I want to be able to just live my simplistic life and not have it be all topsy-turvy because of dumb bullshit you're doing in the stock market to get a few extra billion when you already have a billion. Like, get fucked. I don't mind if you have a million dollars or millions and millions and millions of dollars. But don't fuck with everybody else's like just like normal casual thing. That's my whole thing is just stop fucking with everybody else's shit and and realize that the only way that you get to have what you have is if the rest of the it's like the the uh whatever. I don't I don't need to go down the road. Just stop fucking with it. Just just placate us. We don't need that much. We just want a little bit. Right. I just want, I just, it's, I just, when I think about the astounding numbers of billionaires, it's like, I don't, this is really all I want. It's like I've said countless times on this podcast in the last month, like I want 
one more room that could just be a dedicated gym. Like mm-hmm. I'm still going to buy all my home gym stuff and I have room for it. I can make room. That'll be fine. But it would be great if I just had one more room that all that stuff could go in so it would just be a little more separate. It can't be whatever. It's not the end of the world. That's fine. This is all I want. Just stop fucking with it. I just want to buy the house across the street and turn it into a multi-level go-kart track. Yeah. What's so... all I want. Yeah. I want a jet. The American dream. I don't even want to fly in it. I just want to bring my friends there and we have alcohol on the jet on the ground. International waters. Get the wheels park in, park in the ocean. Get the wheels off there. Get them off there. Get them off there. All right, guys. You don't need to listen to me rant about Wall Street anymore. Maybe you do. Wall Street rants. It's been. I've. I had so much more to say to Amber when I was up there peeing. She was yelling at me. This is so. This is my wife for everybody. By the way. Stop peeing in the house. Stop. You're not even in the bathroom. She acts all like, oh, I'm such a goody two-shoes. I go up there, and she started yelling something at me. And I was like, I felt like I froze when I was talking about the stock stuff. I had so much to say when I was talking to you about it after dinner. Because usually after dinner, we let our kids watch a little Elmo or a little Sesame Street. And we'll you know spend 15 minutes doing the dishes, and we just talk. And that's the only time we get as a couple right now with little kids. <laughs> And I, I love that 15 or 20 minutes of my day where I just get to talk to my wife. But I was like, I felt like I had so much more to say when I was talking to you after, after dinner. And I just kind of like froze on the podcast and I don't know why. And my wife goes, yeah, you just blew your load all over your wife. <laughs> like, what a mature adult. And then she laughed at her own dumb joke. Of course. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Dan. This might sound stupid. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's parts where we're talking about stocks that sound stupid. I really do think I'm going to tweet it out. I'll put it in movie night. I've put a lot of random tweets in movie night today. Uh, but Chimath Polyhapatia. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to tweet it out and I'm going to put it in uh, in movie night. I really think his kind of appearance on CNBC is oh. worth watching and listening to. 100%. He was great. Did you watch it? Mm-hmm. It was just, it was so interesting to hear somebody who is a billionaire saying like, this is fucked. <laughs> they, sh- they should be doing this. They deserve, they have the right to be doing this and you deserve what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And the this fucking mook from CNBC, who literally at one point just stutters. He's like, uh, I don't, uh, uh, because he's got he doesn't have a leg to stand on. But I'm sure he's got a producer yelling in his ear, or like telling him what to say. And then he tries to make it about, oh well, GameStop's not. It's not actually worth. Re- I haven't heard you say once why GameStop is worth three hundred and twenty dollars a share. And the guy's like. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't ever say this explicitly, but he's like, you're not listening, you fuckhead. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's worth $320 a share. I am saying what happened is totally legit and a good play in the stock market. 
The people on that subreddit are not dumb the way you're painting them to be. It doesn't mean that some person who sees some CNBC two-minute clip about it is going to get involved and get, you know, lose some money. But the people on Wall Street Bets who've come up with this understand trading and the market and what was happening, Mm -hmm. and that's why they were able to do it. 100%. Thanks for listening, everybody. If this is the first time you're listening uh, to This Might Sound Stupid, you should subscribe to us. Wherever you get your podcast. just click the subscribe button when you're on our page. You can also follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thismightsoundstupid. Turn on notifications so you get notified when we go live. And it's the best It's the best way to participate in the podcast and just have fun and be in chat. Uh, you can also email us if you want to email us your lists. Uh, this might sound stupid at gmail.com or if you want to email us random topics which we didn't even get to today uh, this might sound stupid at gmail.com and if you want to tweet at us you can do so at tmss underscore podcast good night everybody suck it dance to suck it I say just be cool to one another nah Good night, Mike.